Welcome to Transportation Radio. My name is Bernie Wagonblast, and I'm joined today by Bill Bain, the CEO of Transit Wireless. Transit Wireless has a contract with the New York Metropolitan Transportation Authority to provide wireless services in the underground stations of the New York City Transit System. Bill, welcome to Transportation Radio. Thank you very much, Bernie. I gave a one-line introduction of what Transit Wireless is. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than I explained in that one-sentence introduction. Tell me a bit about the company and the project in particular that you're doing in New York City, if you would, please. Happy to do so. Uh, Transit Wireless, Bernie, was formed essentially in in 2010, 2011, when it was acquired majority interest by Broadcast Australia. And what we have here is a 27-year exclusive license to design, build, own, operate, and develop business partnerships on a broadband wireless network in the underground subway stations. So we are essentially in partnership with the MTA. Um, We are responsible to to design, build, and deploy a high-quality, highly resilient wireless network. And then we're also responsible to to find and engage partners like Sprint, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, First Responders, relevant city agencies and the MTA themselves to really extend services out to their customers, be it the consumer, be it the first responders, or be it even the employees and contractors of the transit agency. Now, with this project, as you mentioned, you're designing, building, and operating the system. Obviously, doing something like this costs millions of dollars. How do you intend to make that money back in addition to hopefully making a profit? Yeah, that's a good question that certainly our shareholders are keenly concerned on every single day. Um, to give you some scale, we have invested thus far uh, north of $300, $350 million of capital in, in this project. Uh, we have deployed a variety of services, which we can get into later on. Um, our business model is fairly simple. It, it's a public-private partnership in that we are responsible to design, build, and deploy under the protocols and procedures governed through the MTA, um, and then we essentially build a what's called a neutral host network, a network that is broadband in nature, and we are able to then uh, execute partnership contracts with the four wireless carriers and with other agencies to deploy their services out to their customers. So we're essentially a neutral host network for the network providers, for the service providers. So we design and build and take the upfront risk of that deployment. Um, We hope to very cost-effectively then allocate those costs out to each of the partners on the network so they can buy in and service their customers cost-effectively. In that is where we get our return, and we actually share in that return with the MTA on a 50%, 50% basis. You talked about the services, and you, you went through them fairly briefly uh, in, in the introduction. Tell me a bit more about the services and some of the things that you are offering, both now and perhaps in the future. Sure, and, and, and the second part of your question is something that you know we think about a lot every day. But the base, the base DNA of this network was to provide cellular services, all the license bands issued by the FCC, that are deployed by, again, the four wireless carriers, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon. So we deploy all those services, all those spectrums, such that those mobile carriers can provide services to all of their customers in the underground subway environment. We also deploy uh, public Wi-Fi. So for Wi-Fi connectivity, just like you would use in your living room, we deploy all those bands and technologies. Uh, we've also deployed a, a private Wi-Fi band uh, 
that is used strictly by the MTA and their employees for public safety and for internal communications. Um, and behind all that, we have a New York City-wide fiber optic cable franchise that these cables are deployed throughout the streets and connected to every station. So we also provide our own broadband backhaul to transport signals in and out of each station. So the, the business really started as the MTA wanted to deploy connected technologies, um, really cellular technologies at the start of this project, but it's, it's very quickly morphed into cellular, Wi-Fi, public safety, broadband fiber connectivity, uh, and, and a variety of other services that we're now and have deployed off of that. You mentioned public safety. That obviously is a big concern in a city, and it has been an issue at times in New York. We're talking that uh, fire, police, and EMS, for instance, may not be able to intercommunicate. Does this help resolve any of those issues? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and this, is a, this is a big part of the benefit of, of this network. Uh, up until we began to deploy, when you went into the subway below ground, you were largely in a completely unconnected black hole. So now any consumer, any first responder, any transit employee can either use their private network or through the mobile system just dial E911 and connect out to the first responders. Um, by definition, our network is required to define station locations, station addresses, uh, no different than if you were calling from the above ground. The first responders need to know where you are located. We we address each station such that the first responders uh, know where to deploy uh, in case of an emergency. So, you know, as a byproduct benefit of deploying all these connected services, uh, we now have full E911 connectivity in the below ground. Um, I'd also add that uh, the, the New York City Transit an MTA organization was very keen to even augment that. And part of our deployment, we added on um, help point emergency intercom systems, which are deployed throughout the entire uh, underground subway. These are terminals that are, uh, you can talk to a live dispatcher for either directions or for, again, emergency services. Uh, and many of those terminals are transported through this private Wi-Fi that's owned and operated by New York City Transit. So we deployed cellular. That brought with it E911. We then took an extra step in partnership with the Transit Authority and deployed these emergency call boxes, which gave another round of connectivity and, and another way for the public to communicate in the case of an emergency. Something that's certainly been in the news, not just dealing with transportation, but a variety of different services, is cybersecurity. Is that also a concern, and, and how are you addressing that? There's two layers of that, and that's, that's a good question. That's on, you know, that's on every board of directors desk these days across the country. One is, as far as the wireless spectrum and the wireless carrier spectrum, we, we are an extension of their network. All the cybersecurity requirements for the cellular aspects are managed by those carriers within their network. So we're, we're essentially a very sophisticated broadband pipe. So again, AT&T, TMO, Sprint, and Verizon, uh, manage their cybersecurity protocols and they obviously do that in a very effective way. As far as any of our internal networks, be it Wi-Fi, uh, and fiber connected networks, we also have a very robust cybersecurity plan that gets uh, audited twice a year by a third-party entity to make sure that we are, you know, fully firewalled and fully fireproof from any attacks. 
and to date we've had no issues whatsoever with that. Parts of the New York City transit system, the subway system in particular, are over 100 years old. Obviously, when that was built, there was no concept that wireless communications would be something that they would have to address sometime in the future. What were some of the challenges with installing a wireless network in a 100-year-old system? Uh, Bernie, that's a long list. We could we could take up quite a bit of time. Uh, but to give you some of the highlights, uh, first and foremost, it is 100 and Actually, I was I was corrected recently by a transit exec. It's about 115 years old now, um, and you're right. That environment was never set up to handle not only uh, the traffic that it's servicing today, but certainly any level of technology. It just did not exist. So um, three or four major challenges. Number one is we are putting digital electronics that process and amplify all these signals into a 115-year-old environment that is extremely aggressive environmentally, heat, moisture, uh, water intrusion, um, you know, all the things that come with a below-ground environment. So we had to challenge our supply chain and our engineers to effectively deploy um, what you would deploy on a mountaintop or in a desert, uh, outdoor highly rated environmentally hardened uh, materials and electronics even though it's a below-ground subway environment. So we have a fully robust, fully environmentally hardened network uh, that's deployed throughout the entire underground that meets those conditions. So, you know, it took a lot of special engineering, some customization of products, uh, but working with New York City Transit, we were able to come up with a solution that is extremely robust and has proven to be uh, very resilient and very reliable so far. So that's really challenge number one was to meet the environmental requirements. Uh, challenge number two is it's a 115-year-old system uh, with low ceilings and narrow platforms and, and 24 by 7 train traffic. So we had to do our deployments largely between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. to minimize disruption to people, to traffic flow, to train flow. So you can imagine that some of the stations, even at 2 and 3 a.m., uh, are extremely busy, i.e. Times Square, Grand Central, uh, but we had to work in and around uh, those constraints to make sure that we did not disrupt train traffic. So, again, in close coordination with New York City traffic, uh, transit, and in, in doing so, um, you know, the, the off hours of the transit authority, we were able to deploy and minimize that, you know, that disruption. And, and I think thirdly and, and most importantly is um, to the consumer, to the first responders, the last thing we do before we commission a network is we have to make sure that when you leave the street and head into a station or you leave the station and head up into the street, that it's a seamless handoff experience for you as a consumer or for you as a first responder. So the last test we do is to make sure that our network talks to the above-ground network in a very seamless handoff. And that's really important because, you know, we don't want any disruption in service. We don't want any disruption to first responders. And, you know, as we all know, living in New York City, there's constant construction, there's scaffolding, there's trucks, and there's a number of potential obstacles that, that could actually block signals in and out of the station. We uh, add extra antenna points and extra levels of robustness to make sure that uh, we get out and we connect to the above ground and maintain that seamless experience. 
Last month, I did an interview with Polly Trottenberg, the commissioner of the New York City Department of Transportation, and we were talking about some of the things New York City is doing to make itself a smart city. How does what Transit Wireless is doing in the underground subway stations fit into making New York City a smart city? Yeah, great, great question. And there's a number of emerging applications and opportunities uh, that, that can do that. So first and foremost, the fact that we are deploying wireless broadband and fiber broadband throughout the entire underground subway system in and by itself is a smart city or a connected city application. We've now taken all the wonderful connected services we enjoy above ground and have deployed that below ground. So we have a network today that serves 6 million riders a day, uh, huge volumes of traffic, huge volumes of Wi-Fi uh, connectivity, huge volumes of, of public safety connectivity. So that by itself is a major connected city win uh, uh, for Metro New York. Second thing is we, we now are extending applications off our network in concert with New York City Transit. Uh, for example, uh, we track trains using Wi-Fi, private Wi-Fi devices, and the MTA is deploying uh, train arrival screens throughout the balance of the stations that do not have those. Uh, that's all being driven off of wireless train tracking into our network, fed back into the transit's operational network, and then back to inform the riders when the trains will be forthcoming. Uh, that's a connected city uh, or, or uh, an Internet of Things type application uh, to bring more information to the ridership. Uh, we are we offer connections to the MTA apps uh, on our Wi-Fi network such that riders can dial in, look at ridership information, uh, you know, process mobile payments, things of that nature. Now, are, are you're, you are now connected to that via the below ground whereas before you did not have that opportunity. So, you know, there's a number of things that, you know, we have provisioned. Uh, everything we're doing is certainly under the heading of a connected city benefit, uh, and we certainly are beginning to exploit that in a number of different ways, not only to just connect consumers directly, but to help the business of running the transit business more effectively uh, to cross-leverage our network. Up to now, Bill, we've been talking about New York City. Is Transit Wireless operating in any other cities, or is it building out in any other cities at this point? So we are part of the International Broadcast Australia Group. Uh, that's a group of companies around the world that operates uh, several markets. Uh, first and foremost, outside of New York, we have a sister company in the Toronto Metro that essentially uh, uh, is doing the same thing we're doing here in New York. They are deploying a broadband wireless and fiber network in the Toronto Metro. I think that Metro serves 600 million riders, um, and uh, they are deploying cellular, Wi-Fi, public safety, uh, and, you know, point-of-sale connectivity akin to what we're doing in New York. We have a sister company in Hong Kong called Radio Frequency Engineering, and really for about 15 years has uh, designed, deployed, and managed I would say the, one of the most sophisticated broadband wireless networks in the world for the Hong Kong Metro. Uh, that covers all locations, tunnels, and stations. And, um, you know, they're probably one of the, one of the global experts in that technology, which we get to benefit from as a sister company in terms of how we diagnose and deploy our technologies. We have a, uh, a sister company in the UK that is working on a couple of projects there uh, in Central Europe and in, in England. Uh, and again, 
with the expectation to get to deployments very similar to what we're doing here in New York, Hong Kong, and Toronto. So we are, you know, we are a network of companies with a lot of expertise in these very complicated environments, and that allows us to take lessons learned and, and really deploy much more efficiently uh, versus others that have not had these experiences. In the quickly changing world in which we live technologically, what are New Yorkers saying to you now? The most common question we get asked is that, you know, where are you going next in, in New York? So we've covered the below-ground stations. Uh, everyone asks, when are you going to cover the tunnels and when are you going to come above ground? So we are currently working with the MTA on those two layers of the network. We're working on uh, finding the right type of solutions to extend into all the above-ground stations so we, we can then cover 100% of the network, believe it or not, uh, coming above ground from an RF coverage perspective is more complicated than below ground because you have to complement the existing macro networks, whereas below ground, it's it's dark. There's no networks. There's no interference considerations. Um, so we're working through prototyping and trialing right now with New York City Transit to make sure we harden those solutions for that potential expansion. And then, of course, as a, as a, uh, as a user of the subway, uh, you know, the tunnels. When can we get coverage into tunnels to to drive connectivity across the entire commute. Again, we are working very closely with New York City Transit on prototyping and testing um, tunnel coverage and a variety of solutions into the trains and into the tunnels for both uh, Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi, private Wi-Fi, and as well cellular. Um, you know, the biggest challenge we have in New York in covering tunnels uh, is not necessarily a technology challenge. It's a logistical challenge. It's one of the only, if not the only, transit system in the world that operates 24 by 7. We have to find ways to get signals and equipment in those tunnels without without disrupting train traffic, or I should say minimizing disrupting of train traffic. Uh, and that's where the prototyping and the value engineering exercises we're currently undertaking uh, to do that in, in concert with New York City Transit will allow us to harden some solutions and make it a, a much more efficient deployment than, than if we had not prototyped it. So those are the two questions. Hey, when are you going to do my above-ground station in my neighborhood, and when can I be connected in the tunnels? Uh, and not only for the consumer, but, again, for first responders. And we, we expect to reach conclusions on those solutions in the next several months in partnership with the Transit Authority. Well, we've been speaking on Transportation Radio today with Bill Bain. He is the CEO of Transit Wireless. Bill, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Bernie, and enjoy talking to you.